When you thought that you were going to have some time away from basketball, no playoff games, the Suns have been eliminated, you thought you were going to have a quiet Saturday night? <laughs> oh, hell no, you're not going to have a quiet Saturday night. We all got hit with a Woj bomb as Monty Williams has been fired by the Phoenix Suns. He is no longer the head coach. Welcome in to the PHNX Suns show. I'm your host, Espo, alongside Gerald Bourget and Saul Bookman. Gentlemen, how are you on this Saturday evening? I'm exhausted. I thought this was going to be my recharge day. I'm fucking in, I'm in shambles right now. Man. I'm running on fumes. I literally thought today, I was like, oh man, you know what? I feel really good for Lindsay and Gerald. They've had a long couple of weeks, a couple of months. They get a finally back to back days off. How awesome is this going to be? Monday, we can, we can spin this back around and get after it. Uh, no, not even a little bit. No. I am sitting here sick. I'm not feeling well. The wife's going in for a second surgery on Monday, but Monty Williams pulls me back in. It's, uh, you know, I, I let's start here. I think this is the, the fairest way to start. Uh, we, we've heard the news, but I think we need to take a step back and recognize Monty Williams, the man, and what he was able to do in Phoenix uh, before we get to why he's no longer here as the head coach. You go back. Uh, to when Monty was hired four years ago. This team is in shambles. They're trying to figure out who they're going to be. They're trying to figure out how they can keep Devin Booker long-term. Can they turn this into anything? And you get the bubble run and the, and, and the culture shift during a COVID year. That all is credited to Monty Williams. The, the, the amazing finals run, the 64-win season, it felt like he had gotten the culture right and had the ear of these guys. There is a lot good to be said about what Monty Williams over did over these four years. 90% of what Monty Williams did was fantastic. It was fantastic. You can't deny the fact that this franchise was in disarray at, at a level that a lot of franchises don't usually get to only the bad ones. Like I think of other franchises and other sports like the Washington commanders uh, and things of that nature of, of how toxic the environment can possibly be. And Monty Williams was able to not only come in um, and, and rectify the, the basketball side of this, but also, um, you know, give Suns fans really a perspective of at least this portion of the franchise is in good hands and he deserves all the credit in the world. He's a phenomenal human being. And, and, and he's a phenomenal coach, like he, he is. It's just, you know, obviously he's had a couple missteps here in terms of the way he, that he approached things and, and coaching strategy that we'll get into in a little bit. But outside of that, listen, he's a phenomenal guy. And I wish him nothing but, for the best, but the best of luck. I hope he succeeds wherever he goes. He deserves to succeed wherever he goes. Um, and I, for one, am very thankful that he got us back to relevance and did it in such a respectful and, you know, professional way. And you can't ask for anything more from your head coach. Yeah, what, what Monty did here in Phoenix was kind of like what he did in New Orleans, except to the nth degree. Like he came in, he helped get an organization that had been mired in losing ways back on the right track. He helped install a culture here and he gave Devin Booker security and, and familiar environments to play in and grow in for the first time in his career really because the way that the Suns were cycling through coaches and GMs at that point in time 
it felt like we were heading towards complete dysfunction to where Booker looks around and says, I don't, I can't be here anymore. Like we're never going to get on the right track. And he finally found a coach that was able to get them on that track. Um, I, I understand this is the nature of the NBA. Monty said it during exit interviews, like this is part of the NBA economy. So he understands it. Um, and he, he's going to be just fine with the money that he is owed on that contract extension. He'll be coaching another team and doing a great job there in the near future, I'm sure. Um, but it, it does suck because he's the type of person that you would want to see this franchise win a title with. Um, and not just because he's a good guy, but because he's one of the most successful coaches in Suns history, fourth on the all-time wins list and regular season for the franchise, second in playoff wins behind only John McLeod, who had like four times as many games as Monty did under his belt. So what he was able to achieve here, winning more playoff games than Mike D'Antoni, than Cotton Fitzsimmons, than any coach in Suns history, shouldn't be lost on anyone. I know that people were clamoring for him to be fired after you know a second straight embarrassing playoff exit and it's hard to survive that type of thing in the nba i totally understand it but we shouldn't get lost in the moment and forget what he contributed to this franchise because he really did help put them back on the right path yeah at a 628 winning percentage 194 of his 309 games as a suns coach 127 uh of his 46 playoff games a 58 or 50 587 win percentage uh, in the playoffs. But I think what a lot of people forget also is at the beginning, he turned down coaching the Lakers with LeBron mm -hmm. to come to Phoenix and build the culture and change things here. And I think you got to give a lot of credit to him for that. But when his NBA economy uh, quote yesterday, I think was very much him saying, look, I I've looked around. I saw Mike Budenholzer get fired, who won the title. I saw Nick Nurse get fired, who won the title. I understand if a move comes that this is just the price of doing business right now. And it, you know, I, it wouldn't shock me if it turns out we kind of find out this is a mutual parting of the ways because Monty knew there was interest from one or two other teams out there right now. I mean, there's rumors that the Bucks and Toronto are interested in Monty Williams, but that's pure speculation at this point, but I do wish him nothing but the best. But when you look at the reality of the last two playoffs and the way they've ended, and even the finals run where you're up 2-0 and you get you lose four in a row, mm. it felt like this. And the finals isn't isn't as egregious in, in any way. You ran up against otherworldly uh, Giannis, and there's not a lot of game planning you can do that changes that. But you look at the blowout against the Mavs in Game 7 at home, the blowout against the Nuggets the other night in Game 6 to get eliminated. I think it felt like this was time to get a different voice. In the well, I think more than anything, like I, I told Gerald and, and Lindsay the other night, was that it was out of the eight games that they they played in, the, in, in losing those series, right, seven of those eight were not even close. They weren't even close. They were double-digit losses in handily. So, like, the other team had full control of those games, uh, and, and it didn't look like the Suns were really in them. And the only argument you can make is probably game two against the Nuggets where they were in that game. They led by eight points, and then Chris Paul gets injured, and everything kind of falls apart after that. Um, but none of those Mavericks games were close in the ones that they lost. Um, you could say the same thing about the Nuggets series. 
And then you finish it all off with horrible, horrible uh, elimination game defeats. Um, it's not it's not about losing, in my opinion. It's about how you've lost and what the journey was like getting there. And you can make an argument that for whatever reason, this Suns team just did not look like they were all locked in together like they did a couple years ago. Uh, it looked a little it, – you wondered what was going on behind the scenes, what, what, what was happening in players' minds um, in order to not really get their full uh, potential. And that I think when you look at it, fair or not, I'm going to say this also, fair or not, and I don't think it's really fair because I think DeAndre Aiden has 99% of control over this. I think that there's there might be something to the fact that you have this guy that's getting paid, paid max money and he's not delivering. Why is he not delivering? Why are we not getting more out of this guy? And is Monty Williams really the coach to be able to get that out of out of D.A.? Um, if you're not going to trade him, and I don't know, you don't know how the front office feels about Da. Obviously, they match the 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 max, so James Jones felt comfortable doing that. So you got to assume that he's on board with Da. So it's just there's a lot of ifs right now, and I think, like I said, it's about how they went out the last couple of years, not not that they went out. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think if they lose that game six by like five points or something like that, we might not be having this conversation right now. I think the back-to-back -back playoff exits at home, trailing by 30 at halftime, it just leaves a bad mark. And I think that contributed here to that sentiment that, okay, maybe we've hit our ceiling with this guy. Maybe he's losing the locker room, whatever. That's pure speculation. I think if you ask Book, Chris, and KD, they'll tell you differently. Um but yeah, it, it's just one of those things that you it can't happen in, in this industry. Um, and it's unfortunate because like you were saying, Espo, like you look at the last couple of champions, like Budenholzer's gone, Nick Nurse is gone, Frank Vogel with the Lakers is gone. <laughs> like you win a title and within the next two years, you're still able to get fired. So with the Suns not getting over that hump, um, it leaves less protection. It's a cruel industry. Like it just is. Um, we're always looking for the next best thing. And expectations are can be the enemy sometimes. So now, if you are firing one of the greatest coaches you've ever seen, someone who's consistently gotten us to where we would have dreamed about being, you know, five years ago, now you have to nail this next hire. Now you have to get the right guy in because if you fuck this up, you are screwed. You're absolutely well, screwed. Especially if Monty goes on to the next stop right away and has success there. It's a big deal. A uh, little story time based on what you were talking about and those coasters. It's 2012. I'm in L.A. on a road trip. I'm in a car with uh, Alvin Gentry, an assistant coach, Steve Nash, and I'm hiding in the back. I don't know how the hell I wound up in this car, but we're on the way to, uh, to Grant Hill's documentary premiere. And we are driving through L.A., and there's a homeless man. We're stopped at a light, and Monty goes, hey, that guy won the Western Conference two years ago, and now he's there. I'm next, right? Alvin Gentry jokes about that because he knows he's gonna get he's gonna get railroaded. Coaches know this stuff happens, right? Like they they see it. He was two years removed from a, a magical Western Conference Finals run and knew he was about to get canned. They see it coming, uh, and and I think Monty probably had a pretty good idea, even when he was talking to you guys yesterday, that this was not heading. Uh, in a place that he wanted. For me, you look at it, Monty's been in an elimination game five times. 
He's lost those by a combined 94 points. On average, 18.8 points in elimination games. He's never won an elimination game. I'm sure that, in part, kind of goes to it where you're looking, can this guy take us to the next step? But I think one of the biggest things, and everybody's like, oh, well, it's DA's fault. It's DA's fault. It's DA's fault. We're seeing it in the chat right now. You can't fire the players in most cases, right? That's that. That's the thing. The coach winds up being the fall guy, and I think the the fractured relationship, which we heard about last summer, and we were kind of like, okay, whatever. They didn't talk over the summer, and maybe it's not that big of a deal. And then the things that Gambo came out with this week about how he soured on uh, how Monty soured on Da after the 2021 finals, and he wanted Miles Turner instead of Da. All these things that come out. I think that plays a part in it too, because you had to maximize everything you had on this roster this year to have a legitimate chance. And he obviously did not do that with DeAndre Ayton. And a lot of that is on DeAndre Ayton and who he is, but some of it's on a coach with the motivation side of it well. And I don't think that fractured relationship helped at all. Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me with Monty is it just seemed like he he had two or three ways of approaching players. And if he didn't get his desired results after trying those three, then it, then it kind of just, that was it. And I'm sorry. I, I said this when this all went down before and you know, a lot of people said, well, it's not really that big of a deal. No, it is a big deal when you go a whole off season and don't talk to a player that clearly was disgruntled about the way things were handled in that last series. It is, you're a coach. Like, Guys, you guys work with me every single day. If you did something and you were disgruntled and you were pissed off and I was like, eh, I'm not going to talk to him for a month. Like, you guys would be pissed. Because Shit, be you don't so talk to me for 10 minutes when something like that happens. <laughs> and I think I should start packing my desk. As soon as as soon as soon Gerald catches wind by a little bit of something that's like, oh, I'm not a really big fan of that. I call him within like 30 seconds. I'm like, are you okay, bud? Is everything all right? What do we need to do to fix this? Like, it's just what you have to do to make sure that everybody's jiving with each other um, and has good chemistry. And, and so, like, that is a major fault of his. He has, he, He's going to have to own that, and he's going to have to change and adapt if he wants to move forward in this league because this isn't the first time we, we've, we've heard about Monty um, being kind of, uh, you know, hard-headed about certain things. And we saw that also in terms of the flexibility in the offense and the defensive strategy as, as things move forward. There were some things that he just didn't budge on. And, you know, from day one, we talked about DA's, uh, you know, inclusion in the offense, right? And whether you like them or not, doesn't matter. You got to at least see certain things that, that, will, that will kind of vary it up from time to time. Um, you know, and, and you can go to Nakias NBA. You could talk to uh, Steve Jones Jr. And they will talk about the fact that, and J.J. Redick has pointed it out, basically all DA is was, was a PNR dive man and nothing really more than that. And that's that's kind of just a microcosm of of what Monty really had to do to to try and keep this job. And they're going to try and find somebody else. And I I have a I have a front runner candidate that I would really like to see get this job. But we'll yeah. talk about that in a second. Well, I mean, I I think I do want to push back on because it feels like we're veering into territory where like Monty's relationship with Da might have led to this. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. No, no, no. I don't think so. Either. Um, I think it's a. Right. I think it's. You just look in totality of everything, and it's just okay. That was just something else going on, uh, in along with these the losses in the playoffs, those kind of things where you go, 
okay, maybe all this is just is just Monty Williams as a package here, you know? Right, but because I, I do, because there was the sentiment earlier this week, like, are they going to fire Monty or are they going to trade DA and change the roster? And I think it could still be both very much so. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Because I, I do think, like, we've talked about with DA and that relationship, like, it wasn't the best over the summer. Um, and, and the way that they used him and whatnot, there's been, you know, countless debates about that topic. But at the end of the day, like, DA's inability to grow as a player or add to his skill set just even a dribble or something like that a handle a go-to move in the post i think played a factor in that and i think we're still going to see lots of change even with a new head coach coming in i'm sure the coach will have some input on that um but i am kind of fascinated to see if this decision affects that at all moving forward yeah i mean like Let's be honest. Uh, Da did nobody any favors uh, with with some of the stuff that happened. Uh, so uh, a lot of a lot of factors go into why Monty is no longer here. But it, it you turn your attention now to well. First off, was it the right move, Saul? Yes or no? Let's just let's just go around the horn. Yes or no? Right move. Oh, conflicted. I, I would say yes because only only because you have one or two years of. A, a decent Kevin Durant. Um, and you cannot afford to throw this away with Devin Booker and Kevin Durant. And if you waste one more year on trying to basically square, uh, you know, fit a, a square peg into a round hole, you risk losing your championship window completely. And so I think, I think this was the right move. I don't know. And I'm not saying that because I've always been notoriously been closer to Monty's side of things whenever we argue about stuff, but because it matter, everything hinges on what you do next. Like yeah. if you bring in a certain head, like we're going to talk about different candidates next. Some of them, if you bring in and they work out, I'll totally understand why you went this way. Some of them that we're going to bring up whose names are going to come up. If you bring them in, I feel like it's going to be a catastrophic mistake to do that. Um, I, I think you can definitely make the case that this team had hit its ceiling with Monty in charge. I think you could make the case that, you know, we were getting close to losing a locker room based on the way that DA and everybody else's relationship was Chris Paul's age, like things were going to change. They had to change after the last two years. Uh, but for me, this is all contingent on what you do next, whether this was the right call or not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. But for me, it is the right call because I think you hit that ceiling. We talked about it the other night when I was on. But I think he got, raised that ceiling, and then he kept hitting his head on it. He couldn't get higher with it. And to Saul's point, we saw what he did with the last two years of CP3, and they couldn't quite get over the hump. And I can't, I can't see a repeat of that with KD because you've invested so much into landing KD that this is your championship window the next two years and I accept that I think that's why this is the right move but like you said Gerald you can screw this up still you can make the right move and moving on from a coach and make the wrong move and hiring one and and it looks like a horrible horrible decision uh, in retrospect so both things can definitely be possible here and, and even if you do hire the right head coach, like this roster is flawed right now. Like if you look mm -hmm. at the roster that we had, the construction of it, the, it was short on depth. And as much as everybody wanted to talk about why isn't Monty playing this guy? Why is he playing this guy? If you look at the roster and the inconsistent contributions they gave on one end of the floor or the other, 
it was hard to figure out who should actually be playing because like everyone at the beginning of the series was saying we need to give Terrence Ross minutes. Terrence Ross needs minutes. Flash forward to the end of the series. He's shooting terribly in a closeout game. Like TJ Warren was great for a game or two as well. He hit those big shots in the home game that they won. And then flash forward, he's going two for seven. Like it, it was a night in night out problem figuring out who needed to be on the floor. And I don't envy the next head coach, even if it's someone who's elite at trying to figure that out if the roster is as mismanaged as it was this season. I think you could put some of that at the feet of Monty, though, for not playing those guys for an extended period of time, too. So then when you turn to them and you're like, hey, we need you to be our savior in a second-round series and they haven't played all that long, you know, I think think that's part of it as well. But you're right. The roster was not constructed well enough around – those two guys after the trade to really be able to pull some of the levers you need. TJ Warren would be the only guy that I would say that about um, because he had opportunities to be able to play a little bit more in the regular season. And then he wasn't utilized at all, you know, you know, in the first round, he wasn't utilized at all. And in, you know, the first, what, two games of the second round, he wasn't utilized at all. So that to me was an egregious error because he, he is a scorer. He is somebody that could help you, but you can't, you can't help somebody if you don't know what the hell is going to happen from game to game. And that to me was Monty's biggest flaw. It's all good that he'll tell jock, Hey, you're not going to play this game. Cool. But you're asking a lot of a guy to come in and bail you out for 15 to 20 minutes, every single game when they don't know when their name is going to be called. And I'm, and I'm going to go back to that, that routine of, of players. Players are very routine based. And when you fuck up the routine, it throws the rhythm all off. And so I, I just don't think Monty, really, really understood that to the nth degree, the way I think he needed to with specific players like a TJ Warren. For sure. And that's fair. I, I, but I do like, if we go back and look at the game logs from like March, April, and even the playoff round, like <laughs> it was funny because they would go with a guy cause he would give them something and then he'd have another good game or two. And then the next game, it was just total crap. And they, you know, and then like the Dallas game where Ish Wainwright came in off the bench and hit a bunch of threes. That was because they had to bench Josh Okogie because he was like 0 for 10 from three because he had a really hot shooting month where they were like, okay, this could be our guy. And then he goes 0 for 10. And you're like, okay, let's try Ish. And then Landry comes back from injury. And then Jock and Busy, you're dueling them the whole time. I, I will say, I think he should have gone with Jock and stuck with him. I think he should have given. TJ Warren more minutes. And I think he should have introduced Ross into the playoff series a lot sooner against the Nuggets. But like, man, our bench, we were complaining about this in January and February too. Like we have no idea what to expect from the bench. It was a weak point coming into the season. It was still a weak point with the, the additions that they made. And I don't envy any head coach who would have had to come in here and try to figure out what the hell am I going to get from these guys on a night to night basis. You we were complaining about that way back in in freaking Jan or July, August, when we started oh, yeah. seeing these moves, and we're like, "Who the fuck are these guys?" Like, what? Like, and, and no disrespect to Jock or or, or Josh <laughs> Cody or anything like that. I love you, Jock, and, and no disrespect, but like, listen, like you didn't really know what he was going to bring to the table for us. Now, granted, he I thought he played very well this season, but like a Josh Kogi, very inconsistent. You know, there's a reason why these guys you know, were not starters in their previous stops. They weren't like high level, uh, reliable players. It's because they didn't get the the role that suited that, uh, if that makes sense. So Jock, I think has a future 
in really building that kind of foundation for himself and being a, a legitimate backup center in this league for sure. The other guys, you can make an argument, yes or no. Yeah. Uh, I think the thing that bothers me most about this is that we're going to have to retire the Mr. Freeze uh, graphic and bit that we do. We'll have to put that in the ring of honor at uh, PHX Suns. That is my one silver lining to this. No! It's my favorite, Gerald! Oh my god. We shall miss miss you, Mr. Freeze, Monty Williams. Uh, let's. I think that's a good thank you, place. Thank you, to, thank you for your service, sir. Yes, <laughs> I think it's a good place to shift gears and start looking ahead. Suns now obviously have to start a coaching search, and there are already plenty of names being mentioned, including one by uh, Mark Stein, who says the Suns league sources say are expected to explore the feasibility of trying to lure Tyron Lue away from the Clippers after tonight's abrupt dismissal of Monty Williams. Interesting name. I mean, well, what's it going to take? I mean, I, first off, is this a name that that interests you guys, Saul? Listen, he 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 made shit out of, or he he made uh, beautiful pottery out of shit, is what I will say with the Clippers. I just say that, like, and that's I don't I don't think that's a Lindsay slight because she's into pottery and things like that. I just think that. <laughs> I just legitimately think that uh, he's one of the better coaches to be able to manage uh, a system that doesn't exactly give you the the best pieces uh, all, all across the board. And listen, the Clippers gave us every little bit of problems in that first round, um, and that was largely without their two superstars. And so you, I like a guy like that that's able to uh, adapt, um, understand his talent, and really scheme – uh, to try and take away the other team's weaknesses. Listen, one thing that you can't say uh, about Monty Williams is that he really understood how to take away uh, Denver's weaknesses. Denver got to pretty much do whatever they wanted outside of maybe one or two games, um, and it took Herculean performances by Devin Booker to even get two games uh, in that series. So I, I would like to – I'm I'm on the Tyron, Tyron Lude chain. Also, guys, I got to go. The missus is here. We're here at Bucky's. I just pulled over to help out. I love you guys. Go Ty Lue. Go Suns. Uh, go, Bonnie, thank you for your service. Go get me some kind of gift from Bucky's and bring it back. I, I need oh, a guys, I, I got a whole. I got a whole box of gifts for you guys. We're good. We're good. All right. <laughs> Drive safe, Saul. Always good to talk See you guys. to you. See you. So, Gerald, uh, your thoughts mm-hmm. on, on Ty Lue and the speculation so far? So um, for tomorrow at GoPHNX, I'm going to be writing about potential candidates to replace Monty. And spoiler alert, Tyrone Lue is going to be at the very top of the list. And honestly, he might be the only coach that I can think of right now off the top of my head that I'm like excited about where I think, okay, yes, he would be a tangible upgrade over what they are parting ways with right now. Because I... Like Tyrone Liu is really good at adjustments and, um, you know, you can say what you want about the Clippers kind of underperforming during the regular season. Uh, But if you replace Paul George and Kawhi Leonard and all that load management with Kevin Durant and Devin Booker, I'm pretty sure you would see the results that you're trying to look for. He is a championship caliber coach. He not only has championship experience in winning one, but he's just a championship caliber coach period in terms of his X's and O's and his ability to make the right adjustments in a playoff series, which is where 
Monty struggled the last couple of years, especially. So I feel like Tyrone Lou would be the absolute best that you could do. And of course, there's the fact that he already is employed elsewhere. So you have to throw that into the mix. Like there's no indication that he is leaving the Clippers job just yet. Um, but and you you don't have the draft capital to trade for a coach right now. Right, right. You don't have you don't have anything to offer them. They would have to make the conscious decision to fire you, and then you take the job. I do know Matt Ishbia will not be shy about throwing money his way because it's probably going to cost twenty to twenty eight million dollars to pay off the rest of Monty Williams' contract. So money is not an issue here in terms of making a competitive offer for a guy like Tyrone Lue. Um, we, we know that he wants to do what it takes to win by trading for Kevin Durant, uh, by firing Monty Williams with so much money left. So that's not going to be a problem, but you're going to have to figure out a way to convince the Clippers. Yeah. This coach that everyone is going to be lining up to interview for their vacant head job. We, we don't want him anymore for some reason. Uh, can, uh, can we interest you in the Landry Shamet for Ty Lue, uh, <laughs> Package. No, no. All right. Because we have no use for him now that Monty's not here. So uh, I, Ty Lu is interesting because obviously the last head coach that James Jones played for, if I'm correct, was Ty Lu in uh, in Cleveland. Right. He was there been, for the yeah. for the win. I think with, so. Uh, with Ty coach. So there's a connection there for sure uh, in terms of. They know each other and, and know each other well. So there's there's that. Uh, you're right. He's a great coach. He has uh, he makes the the changes that are necessary and adjustments that are necessary, even with a roster that at times resembled some of what the Suns were dealing with uh, with uh, with trying to get creative with bench guys having to come in and play major roles and everything. It's an interesting name. I don't know that. I just don't know that they're going to be able to pull that off, though. I mean, what? Mm-hmm. again, no first-round picks that you can maneuver to the Clippers in some kind of deal. Uh, Bomber doesn't need cash, so it's not going to be some kind of weird <laughs> cash deal. you got two guys that are, are sitting on uh, stacks on stacks on stacks, so this isn't going to be some kind of money play. I, you know, so I don't know what the path to get him here. Is if he was, if he was, uh, you know, his contract was up, sure. I think that makes a lot of sense, but I, I'm not sure. Another name that has been popular, Nick Nurse, the former coach of the Toronto Raptors, obviously won the championship, thanks in part to Kawhi Leonard. Uh, it, does that name do much for you right now in Nick Nurse? That's he's probably the next most attractive name, but I think there's a big gap there. And mm. look, I, I think if you put the right roster for Nick nurse. You can look at what Toronto has and say like, okay, they, they didn't have enough to be a competitive team. They should have been better than they were with the talent that they have on that team. And that, and it still confuses me. I, I think I need to get more of a Raptors perspective uh, from people in the know as far as what went wrong there, but it didn't sound pretty at the end. And, and most of these things never end well, to be fair. He's a guy who won a championship there. Um, and was hailed as you know the next prodigy when he was in there those first couple of years replacing Dwayne Casey. So there's a chance he could come in here and do some great things. But in terms of being a people person and whatnot, it doesn't sound like he's that same type of guy. And maybe you need a just completely, you know, breath of fresh air, change of pace in that regard. Because we all know Monty is a player's coach or whatever. Um, 
but yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I have mixed thoughts on Nick Nurse. I would need to do a little bit more homework on what went wrong these last couple of years. Yeah, that was uh, that's my read on. Look, good coach found a way to get the most out of that talent when they won a title. Obviously, was was respected for what he did in the G League and what he was able to do uh, in those first few years in Toronto. So it's a name that you you have to have the discussion. And I think obviously you have to. Uh, if you're the Suns, start understanding, you know, like you're saying, what went wrong there? How how much of this was him? How much of it was just the situation? And when you come off a championship uh, and you make roster changes like they did and a guy like Kawhi walks away, that obviously changes the dynamic a, a lot. So so what's what's there? Is he a guy that you really feel like that voice and that change uh, even though it may be a stark difference from where you were, is exactly what you need. And, and a lot of times with this, you go from the club med, uh, you know, like when it's a player's coach, which I don't think Monty was was quite that. I don't want to. I don't want to put that on him. But two, more of a hard ass, mm-hmm. and just because you feel like, well, we need the the polar opposite. If it didn't work this way. I'm not sure that this team needs the polar opposite, but Nick Nurse is a name I definitely explore if there is no path to Ty Lue there. Another name, because he was fired, but he won a title, and we've got to see it firsthand when he did it. Mike <laughs> Budenholzer, also available, has Arizona ties as he was a high school coach here in Arizona and had uh, interviewed, I believe, when Monty interviewed as well, or maybe it was when Igor yeah. Kokoskov interviewed yeah. I can't keep any of that crap straight because it was so many, so many coaching hires in such a short time. Uh, does that name do much for you? I tweeted this out before we started the show. Let me just say this. If people had a problem with Monty's uh, playoff adjustments, with his regular season success following playoff shortcomings, and with his inability to figure out when to call a timeout, they're going to love Mike Budenholzer because it's the same exact shit with Mike Budenholzer. Like, I'm sorry, but people that have been watching the Bucks for years now know that he is a, a good coach. He's a great coach. They won a title with him. They won a title because Giannis was Giannis. Like, I don't want people – people keep bringing up Monty was outcoached in this series and this series and this series. He wasn't outcoached in the Bucks series by a considerable margin. Like, the Bucks had Giannis. What is the adjustment – for that, especially when you lose your small ball backup center in game one in his first like two minutes. I, I don't get that. And I really think, you know, we're, we, we're going to talk about how the Suns have had embarrassing playoff exits the last two years. And they're probably more embarrassing because of that last game of each series, because it's just it's the stuff memes and jokes are made of forever. Losing in the first round in five games as the number one seed with or without your superstar player for a couple of those games is embarrassing. That is bad. And and that, look, to, I, I know to that be uh, fair, he was distracted a little bit with the death of his yes, brother as well. Yes. You, you got to add that in. That's totally fair. The human element of that is fair, but these, he wasn't fired just for that. And I think that's no. what a lot of people were confused about. Like, Oh, like he, was going through some stuff and they lost in five games. It wasn't just that it was the shortcomings the last couple of years, aside from the championship year when they were bounced much sooner than they should have been when he failed to make adjustments. Like those are things that I think the grass is greener when we're sitting here complaining about Monty and we look elsewhere, 
if you follow Bucks Twitter, you know that they've had a long-standing problem with Bud not calling timeouts, with Bud, his rotations, and some of his strategies come playoff time, with sticking with things that worked in the regular season but no longer work in the in the playoffs and not being able to adjust. Those are all things we complained about with Monty, and I just wouldn't understand firing Monty if you're going to hire someone who fits a very similar profile in that regard. Yeah, I think you're I think you're dealing with the same kind of problems. You look at it uh and the chats brought this up as well, but Bootenholzer's time in Atlanta was mired with disappointments in the playoffs uh, after great regular season success and if the whole point of letting Monty go is to change that dynamic and reach that next level that you've never been to, you don't go with the guy that's had the same kind of problems. That's like I bought I bought a Tesla because the battery kept exploding, but then I went to this Honda electric car that has the batteries keep exploding. There's no point in it if you're going to have the same exact problem. So I think that that is a name I'd cross off the list too. Let's get into uh, some of the crazier names we've heard here for a second. So we can just end these things uh, as they start. The first one And I'm just going to say it. This was one of the dumbest things I've ever read, and I can't believe it was published anywhere. And, Gerald, you don't have to say shit. This is my opinion and not yours. But in suggesting that Isaiah Thomas should be the head coach of the Phoenix Suns is ridiculous. And the fact that it made it out there from a major outlet uh, is crazy to me. I understand that Matt Ishpia and Isaiah Thomas are friends. I respect that, that, that they're friends. Obviously, Ishbia growing up in Detroit idolized Isaiah Thomas. That does not mean he should be a head coach. He was terrible in Toronto. He was terrible in New York. I'll make the same argument about him as an executive. He killed the CBA, the the Canadian Basketball or the Continental Basketball Association. Literally, it no longer exists in part because of his business acumen with it. Then you get into what happened in New York and the fact that there were all sorts of uh, sexual harassment lawsuits and payments that had to happen. I stay away from it altogether, but the suggestions out there, Gerald, I imagine if you didn't think uh, Mike Budenholzer was the right guy, that Isaiah Thomas isn't the right guy. Either version of Isaiah Thomas for that matter. No, he's been terrible as a front office executive. He's been terrible as a head coach and that's without even addressing the sexual a harassment lawsuit and the payments that came with that. Um, it's the reason why when he was first rumored to possibly be considered for a front office job with Matt Ishbia, that was one of the first questions that we asked at his opening press conference um, because people were concerned about that. And that was just an, a front office job, not a GM or a president of basketball ops or anything. That was just a, a random front office job was the rumor. So if he was hired as head coach, firing Monty Williams would be nothing short of a catastrophic failure. And that would be massively concerning to me moving forward. Um, not just because of all the off-court issues with Isaiah Thomas that come into play, but the fact that his coaching record is not great. Like he hasn't had success with Indiana. He, I mean, he, they won 48 games with Indiana. That was his best year. They lost in the first round all three seasons. He was head coach of the Pacers back in the early 2000s. And then he missed the playoffs twice with the New York Knicks. Like he's, he's got a 45 win percentage for his head coaching career. And he last coached 15 years ago. Like if anyone thinks that Isaiah Thomas should be head coach of this team, like 
I'm sorry. I, I just can't. My, my favorite part of that assertion was he should bring Bill Lambeer along with him to teach DeAndre Ayton how to be tough. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> uh, I, another crazy name, not for the same reasons, but Tom Izzo is going to get mentioned here. Yeah. Uh, he was Matt Ishbia's head coach at, at MSU. He's obviously still there, a legend in the college ranks. Matt's ties to him will bring bring that up. I, I think if maybe if you were 20 years younger, you know, that, that that would be a name you might consider, but I think it would be a bad move at this point. Yeah, I just there aren't a ton of coaches that I feel like can make the transition from college to the NBA. And at this age and this stage of his coaching career, I don't really think Izzo is the guy for that job. Um, I understand Ishbia loves him. I understand he's a fantastic coach uh, for the college game. And, you know, basketball is basketball at the end of the day. But it's just different. It, there's levels to this. Like, I, I don't know how else to say it other than that. Um, and, and I just don't think – I think you need someone who has – if you're firing Monty, you need someone who has championship caliber experience in this particular league, in this arena. Um that, that would be a weird hire to me. The the last of the crazy names, and we'll get into a handful of maybe dark horse candidates here. Uh, when you look at it, some people in the chat have brought up Steve Nash. I get the draw oh. to want to bring back a son's legend, mm -hmm. but did we not see the drama with the Nets? Do we not mm -hmm. remember that KD was in there in Brooklyn and reportedly went to the owner saying that Steve was part of the problem. Like, I mm -hmm. don't see that working out in any way, shape or form. If that's a name you put. In. Well, I mean, Hey, apparently we're trading for Kyrie Irving this summer. So why not just <laughs> reunite everybody in Phoenix? Uh, yeah, no, I look, I love Steve Nash. He means a ton to this organization for his time here. Uh, but as a head coach, no, this is not, this would be, uh, another massive mistake, uh, in my opinion, if you go from Monty Williams to Steve Nash, it would it would just be a weird attempt at like a fan feel good move that would last for probably ten games or so until you realize, okay, maybe coaching is not Steve Nash's thing. I, I'm yeah, not for that. I'm sorry if this were five years ago and you're looking at Igor Kokoshkov or Steve Nash, maybe you go, all right, why not take a swing? We need something to feel good about right. but you have your chips pushed all the way in the tape uh, at the center of the table that's not the move to make yeah dark horse let's get let's go a couple dark horse options here okay. becky hammond's name seems to come up every time there's an opening she's had mm -hmm. success in the w she was a a good assistant coach under greg popovich who obviously has the pedigree is that a name that you kick the tires on I think so. I do know that she was very adamant when asked about the Raptors head coaching vacancy that like I'm focused on the WNBA season and it would be a disservice to my team if I was talking about that. So, you know, things could be going on behind closed doors. Obviously, she could be taking interviews, but I really do think she might just be focused on this season with her team. And I respect that. Um, I do think she would be a very good coach and if she is in the arena of entertaining nba offers you definitely interview her um and and see what's what I, I don't think there's any harm in that if she's interested but right now from my vantage point it doesn't feel like she is looking just yet 
you, you got to wonder if Diana gets in there and goes, hey, this Ishbia guy might be the real deal. And, you know, these yeah. facilities are great. This might be your opportunity if that if that at least makes uh, makes her uh, her interest peaked uh, mm -hmm. there as well. Uh, uh, last one. And I'm going to draw. Put the tinfoil hat on with, with me, Gerald. This is mm -hmm. about to get a little crazy, but it's a Saturday night, so why the hell not, right? Crack mm -hmm. open the four peaks and let's uh, let's get crazy here. There was a report earlier this year. Uh, here we go. It was a Bleacher Report article citing The Athletic and I believe Bill Simmons as well, that Warriors GM Bob Myers was likely on the outs in Golden State and that the Phoenix Suns had ties to him and that there was rumors that Matt Ishbia wanted to bring him in. Say Bob Myers comes in and he's part of this front office, whether he's the GM uh, and, and James Jones stays as president of basketball operations, or we have to do another emergency podcast tomorrow because we've now cleared out the front office. Who knows? But Bob Myers, and then it's, hey, we're going to call about Ty Lue. Why don't we call Golden State about Steve Kerr and see if, uh, if they're wanting to make a move and we can have a coup here. Get Steve... Kerr and KD back together who uh, who won it all together. Uh, it, how crazy exactly am I on a Saturday night trip? Uh, I don't know how crazy you are. I just don't know what that would look like in terms of facilitating not just a GM, not swap, but getting their GM and getting their head coach. Like well, if we thought the path to Tyrone Lou was complicated, I feel like that would be. Well, their GM's out of his contract. So that part's right. easier. It is. But again, <laughs> if you're if just like with the Clippers, if you're the Warriors, why are you letting your reputable head coach go unless you're getting something in return? And if you are getting something in return, what do the Suns have to offer you at this point? I, I don't know. Like, I know that uh, a lot of people are talking about DeAndre Ayton to the Warriors, but I, I just you don't. That's not how these situations work. Like, I, I just DeAndre. Don't. Here we go. DeAndre Ayton, Landry Shamit for uh, <laughs> for Draymond and Steve Kerr. <laughs> Who says no? Other than the Warriors when they're laughing their ass off. What do you throw ask? throw on throw in another bench piece? And I'm kind of down for that, but they're not <laughs> going to do that. Yeah, I would love. I mean, I would love that, but yeah. So so those are the names that I kind of had in mind. But is there anybody on your radar that I? I didn't miss. Obviously, I did not do a whole lot of research as we were scrambling to put this together on that. So. Yeah, I mean, we didn't. Let, let's be honest, we didn't have a ton of time to start brainstorming uh, head coaching replacements here because you know about an hour ago I was in playing Tears of the Kingdom, and now I'm here trying to power through with what's yeah, left of my I, voice. But I was um, coughing up lungs, so <laughs> I, yeah, I, I feel you. Um, no, not really. I, I feel like maybe Kevin Young gets in a courtesy interview just because he's a guy that's been interviewing for vacancies around the league. I'm, I don't know if he would get, I don't think he would get the job a, because he just doesn't have that experience that they're probably looking for. And B he's one of Monty's guys. So he could be gone after this as well. We don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's tough right now because the coaching carousel <laughs> it continues spinning. Um, I'm sure there'll be more names that come up in in the coming days in terms of possible replacements. But for now, I think we covered the most of the basic ones. By the way, if J.J. Redick is the head coach of the Phoenix Suns when this is all said and done, 
<laughs> I may be going asking for a transfer to the CHGO Bulls podcast. I'm just, I'm just gonna say that. Yeah, I do not want JJ freaking Reddick, a guy who's doing this job right now, uh, as the next head coach of the Phoenix Suns. He wants to be a lead assistant. Great, he can be a lead assistant under somebody. I don't want him as the head coach. Uh, before we get out of here, let's take a look at some of the super chats. Psycho Blue gave a ten dollar super chat here. Said. Basketball Cthulhu went back to bed, but he told me to say that Monty is now an apostate. Expect more shameful exiles very soon as we become solid. Uh, Libertarian Sasquatch, still my favorite name in the chat, says, Guys, uh, they 100% ran past uh, this past book in KD. It does not. It, I'm. They had to have at least said, hey, this is what we're going to do. You don't let them find out on Twitter like the rest of us did, I'd imagine, right? I have no idea. I, I, You would think that would be the case, but I don't know if that's the case with a new owner. And it was, as Woj tweeted, Matt Ishbia's decision to make this move. So I, I, think don't, Shams, I don't know. I think Shams tweeted it was JJ and Ishbia, so I don't know. Well, no, he, he tweeted it was Ishbia, and then he tweeted that the summer ahead, it's on gotcha. Ishbia and James Jones. So that that tells me that maybe James Jones's job is safe for the time being as well, um, just the wording on that follow-up Shams tweet. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I You would hope that they ran it by them. I don't see Book giving his consent. Maybe KD, but he has a good relationship with Monty too. I don't know. Well, I mean <sighs> – I know you didn't want to read into book, not talking to the media, but there obviously had to be frustration there, right? And what, what about whatever, just losing or or whatever. I wonder if even he was like, "Well, something's got to change." I I love Monty, like we all. Nobody, I don't think, is taking joy in the fact that Monty Williams does not have this job anymore. Like this isn't Earl Watson getting fired or Lindsey Hunter getting the ax or any of these guys that, that were problematic in ways. I think everybody feels somewhat bad that Monty Williams, uh, it doesn't have the job, but they understand it. You think book it could have that kind of mentality towards it? Possibly. Speculation. I, 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 yeah, I mean, we're speculating one way or the other here, but I don't, I would find it very hard to believe that book was so frustrated that he didn't think, they had enough to win or that he felt like Monty was the problem. I, I feel like okay. we, we, we always, a lot of people go to Monty first, but for me, a lot of people in the Suns are probably looking more at DA in terms of their biggest problem or where they can upgrade. Um, and I, I think that holds true for book and KD. I'm just speculating. But uh, one thing that's interesting from the article that Wojnarowski just tweeted out uh, Ishbia has fully taken over the franchise's basketball operations. Uh, so that's something. I don't. Oh, I'm getting echoes of the past right now. Uh, <laughs> we'll have it, it to does, dive into that more. <laughs> it, it does say that James Jones was the one that called Williams and informed him of their decision to move on from him in that piece. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. This is I'm not I'm not feeling comfortable if I'm James Jones with that no. sentence out there in the world. No, definitely not, especially because Ishbia got a ton of the credit for facilitating the Kevin Durant trade and being the one to push that across the finish line as well. It feels like James Jones 
is more of a GM as placeholder kind of situation than he is actually pulling the strings right now. Um, so we could see further changes coming on that front. I think the fact that they he had James Jones fire Monty tells me that James Jones is around for a little bit longer at least. I, I think if he was going to cut them both, he would have just done it then and there. That or but, you just didn't want your hands dirty in the first part. So. I, mean, I, I guess, but like this article, your hands look pretty dirty now. So I don't know. True. That's, that's, that's alarming to me a little bit. Um, I like an aggressive owner. I like a guy that's willing to make winning all-in moves, and that's clearly what he did with KD. That's clearly the thinking behind firing Monty Williams if you feel like you've hit your ceiling. But there are real drawbacks to having that approach, and they're – like I said, they have to nail what comes next now. I will say this. I, I, I say echoes of the past, but the difference here is Matt Ishbia, his background isn't in daddy had lots of money, and that, that's the only reason uh, I'm involved in basketball. He did play basketball. He did play at a high level and has known uh, a lot of people in, in basketball circles. So sure. hopefully that's a better sign. Frank, uh, I still think this is Frank Kaminsky with the 199 Super Chat. You can't get blown up by 30 and a half twice. That is very true. Uh, Suns Wait. Geek Air says we need need a fresh voice for the Suns on the court. Uh, I I think I think you've got your fresh voices on the court. I think you definitely need it from a coaching perspective. Uh, Bobby Cox, sorry I missed this, Bobby. When Saul was here, but he says, hi, Saul. My Lakers are in the Western Conference Finals. Come on, let's go. Yes, uh, Bobby, get the hell out of here, all right? <laughs> I'd rather root for the Apocalypse than the Lakers in a Western Conference Finals, and you can quote me on that one. Uh, Leo says, uh, Suns should look into Saul, Gerald, or Espo. That would be – I mean, maybe Gerald has more of a basketball mind to pull it off, but me as a head coach would be a god-awful disaster. Gerald, are you interested in the job? I'd be interested, but I can guarantee you I'd be gone by the end of the season. People people think this coaching stuff is hard because they think, oh, this guy should be playing. This rotation should be such and such. Look at the actual plays these guys have to come up with and the defenses they have to incorporate. It's hard. It's a lot harder than people give it credit for. Yeah, uh, at least you get a golden parachute on the way out. Uh, Draw God with the 499 Super Chat says, I think we need a coach nobody knows about. Under the radar. Watch them hire some no-name from the North Pole. Don't knock Santa's game like that. The man, uh, the man has uh, has some coaching ability there. Look, look what he did with uh, those undersized elves. So, uh, Lou the one ninety, <laughs> Lou the one ninety nine super chat. What about OG Greg Popovich? Uh, why would I, Greg Popovich leave the Spurs at this point? For yeah, when he leaves the Spurs, it'll be to hang it up for good. I don't, yeah. I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think they would ever let him leave as long as he wants to continue coaching. Yeah, uh, we're just draining Psycho Blue's uh, bank account tonight. $5 Super Chat. Hey, at least Bill Lambrier is a ring as a head coach <clears> with the WNBA. If Bill was interested, I'd be fine with it. But I agree, we need an NBA vet coach. No, no, not Bill Lambrier. No, <laughs> I love you, Psycho Blue, but no. Uh, Andrew199 Super Chat said, did Booker skip media because he knew this? Uh, I assume he means media availability. I can't imagine so, but. There's going to yeah. be all sorts of speculation. I'd be surprised if that was the case. I think he just didn't really want to do that on that day. Uh, Trevor Begay, 199 Super Chat, says, besides the big names, there any good co assistant coaches? Uh, I'm sure Gerald will dive into this 
in his yeah. article when he's had more time to think about it, quite frankly. Yeah, check uh, gophnx.com tomorrow. There'll be more. Laking Ball with the 999 Super Chat <laughs> says, you know, Ime Adoka is punching the air right now, seeing uh, right after he signed with Houston, the Bucks and Suns opened up, and I know he has off-the-court problems, but he got a job right away. I would not have wanted Ime Adoka with with what you're coming off of and the issues, it's just a bad look, uh, yeah. honestly. Yeah, it uh, would be. Uh, Scott Urich, 499, Super Chat. This is the seven sex or less Suns team all over again. We then spent 10 years of purgatory. Well, this is not. Yeah, yeah. KD is not. Shaq uh, was 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 all, was already running down the back slope of his career. I don't think you can say that of KD at this point. And I don't know. It depends on who they hire, like you said, Gerald. Mm -hmm. uh, if they, I mean, they hired Terry Porter right after they had uh, had Mike D'Antoni. And that blew up in their face, and that set the tone. But they still did make it back to the Western Conference Finals two years later. Uh, mm -hmm. So it says, Jay, my lawyer, always willing to make the Super Chat, says, shut up, Bobby. And I think that was well. 999 <laughs> spent well when it came to the Lakers comment. Uh, and Damon Rogers says it's Nick Nurse season. And uh, you know what? I would uh, be happy if in, in a couple days we came on here and I had to quote the Animaniacs, hello, nurse. Uh, but <laughs> I'll be all right with that. I, I think we have done enough damage here, Gerald. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think it's time for me to start writing so I'm not up till two again. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, the cough medicine held up enough for an hour uh, here, I'm going to go back to uh, not feeling great. He is Gerald Bourget. Follow him at Gerald Bourget. Read his great work at gophnx.com. By the time you wake up tomorrow, all that sweet, sweet coaching uh, news and speculation, Gerald will have it all for you uh, in the best son's writing in the Valley. You can follow me at Espo. You can follow the show at phnx underscore sons. And remember, just because you lose your job doesn't mean you're a bad guy. You just couldn't get the job done. Ahoy, ahoy.